Feeling better? Looking better. Making life better. It's Life Tips. Life We'll explore the latest innovations, introduce you to the latest products, and bring you the tips from experts and environmental pioneers to help you lead a better life. Life Tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, wiser. Here are your hosts. Welcome back to the Life Tips Show, everyone. I'm here with Eileen. Eileen, welcome. I'm happy to be here. Yes, indeed. And... Of course, a show like Life Tips should be always talking about a perfect life, <laughs> and your novel will hopefully fit with, with all of that. Tell us a little bit about your own writing uh, and your background as you entered uh, this, this, this quest to write this wonderful book you've written. Well, I, I actually come from a science background um, and then became a literary writer, but at the, when I got the idea for this book, um, I was married to a geneticist and Someone in his lab just had such an interesting life story. I felt um, I had to write about it, and and so this is based on a true story. Tell um, us about that that aspect of it, this this true story, and and how it came to you, and how it obviously had an impact on your on your life. Sure. So um, this is back in the 1980s, and there were no real tests for genetic diseases. Um, so there were people in my husband's lab who were searching for the gene, for a test for Huntington's chorea, a terrible neurological disease. And one of the women on the team, a woman named Nancy Wexler, her mother had died of Huntington's. So she had a 50-50 chance of inheriting it herself. So the notion that this woman was looking for a test for a genetic disease that she might or might not have, and that if they found the test, she could determine whether she and her sister had inherited the gene for the disease or not, just seemed very, very powerful to me. You were on the cusp of beginning to predict the DNA structure and the diseases we will likely inherit. Do you think this is a bit of a revolutionary time for us all and perhaps a fascinating time to be writing about these deep challenges we will all be faced with pretty soon? Yeah, you know, in fact, I wrote the book uh, in the tw- at the end of the 20th century, but I couldn't quite get people as interested in it until now, you know, that I saw this coming where we would, we would receive knowledge about our, our genes and um, not necessarily know what to do about that. So there is a test now for Huntington's, or as I call it, Valentine's disease, but there's no cure. There's n- not even a real treatment. So, you know, the basic question is, do you want to find out that you are going to get some horrible disease or that you're never going to get it um, if there's no treatment for it? And, you know, we're going to be able to predict so much about um, our own lives, our children's lives, our fetuses' lives, you know, and how much do we want to know? Will we want to act on that knowledge? And so that title, A Perfect Life, you know, is meant to say, what do we what do we think a perfect life is? And can we, if we have the power genetically to change, you know, our makeup, do we want to do that? Do we want to engineer so-called perfect children? Um, And I think that applies to many of the other characters in the book too. So, you know, in ways that aren't necessarily genetic. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. So that's something I'm trying to get at. Tell us about the disease itself. Some of the listeners may not know about it. 
Well, so, you know, I, I um, took some liberties when I changed Huntington's to this fictional disease, Valentine's. But what they share is that um, you don't actually get the disease until middle age or late middle age, but the early symptoms are clumsiness um, or you might freeze up or, um, strangely enough, start thinking about sex all the time. I mean, there's some very hmm. odd um, sort of traits, which you, you really don't know. You know, am I, did I just drop this because I'm clumsy or because I'm coming down with this terrible disease that I watched a parent die from? Mm-hmm. Um, and then as it goes along, you just neurologically, you know, lose control and you're shaking and then your mind goes and um, it, it has all sorts of um, terrible traits. And the the main character um, in my novel is, is based on a real person, you know, watched her mother die of it, but also she doesn't want to have children or get married if she thinks she might come down with this d- disease and, you know, subject her spouse to it and then maybe pass it on to her children. So it's also a matter of, you know, she's young enough that if she finds out she or and her sister don't have the disease, they could marry and have children. But if they do have it, they won't. Um, so that that's also part of what's going on. Is there a bit of Jane in you, your main character? Yeah, you know, I mean, just in the sense of this notion that, you know, we try to li- live a perfect life and it puts so much pressure on her. She says in the opening that some of us live with a clock ticking in our heads, you know, like, oh, my God, I'm going to die. I better do something amazing while I'm still here. Mm-hmm. And that can have great effects. You know, it makes you accomplish things, but it can also destroy your enjoyment of life as you're going along, you know. Um, and so, yeah, I am trying to look at that. And of course, when I wrote the book, I didn't know that my own mother would come down with Parkinson's, which isn't as much a hereditary disease as Huntington's, but um, I did end up living through. Uh, quite a bit of what I wrote about for Jane, um, although I hadn't lived through it when I wrote the book. It, it seems a little bit uh, both interesting and somewhat, uh, I, I'm not sure even the right word, that Jane happens to finally fall in love with somebody who also has probability of coming up with, with the right. disease as well. Um Tell us about that and how you manage that. Did that feel like, okay, you're kidding, right? Really? You know, was it one of those aha moments of like, yeah, let's just do this. Let's bring the complexity into another character and have them journey together. What was the interest in bringing another character into the journey? Right. Well, just first of all, as a writer, you know, if you're going to have a love interest, what you need an obstacle. If two people meet and fall in love and it's all cool, right? Yeah. In, in, mo- in modern literature, what can keep two people apart anymore, right? If, mm-hmm. if people are married to other people, they can get a divorce. You know, you can marry someone of another race. It doesn't matter if you're gay, right? So what, what can keep two people apart? Well, maybe they're genetics, right? Mm-hmm. But um, what gave me the idea for this was in real life, um, so the woman who was doing this research, you know, her mother had died of the disease, and she didn't want to have kids or marry if she wasn't sure she hadn't gotten it. But then there was Arlo Guthrie, whose father, the famous folk singer Woody Guthrie, he had died of Huntington. Interesting. And Arlo was completely different. He had already married, had a bunch of kids, and he said, you know, look, if you find the cure, great. But he said that you can't live your life, um, you know, trying for perfection. 
you know, you do what you, you get married, you have kids, and if somebody gets sick, you take care of them, that having a kid is such a blessing. It doesn't matter if it's even for a day. And so I'm like, oh, my God, these two such different mind views working yeah. on the same. And I thought, well, they, they were meeting at some kind of fundraiser or something. And I thought, well, who would you have more in common with than the guy whose parent also died of, you know, exactly. like, and you'd be thrown together all the time at these fundraisers and stuff. <laughs> and I just thought, geez, what would happen if they fell in love, you know, if Arlo and, and, and um, Nancy fell in love so that. That was where I um, I got the idea, and they say like, oh my God, this is crazy, but yeah. it also ma- it actually makes some sense because who would you run into all the time? Who would know what you had gone through? Right, right. Now Willie ends up uh, bolting, as you say, in, in in a crucial moment in their relationship. Um, uh, you know, how important was that? You know, does this now set Jane up to to be the hero potentially? Is that why that made sense to you you know when you're just you're writing and and you you have so when i write i want like a spring that like sets or maybe it's something that pushes the first domino and then Mm. it hits the second domino and then as you're a writer you just watch the dominoes fall so i didn't want to plan you don't like plan everything out yeah right 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 so i just knew they were going to fall in love right and Mm -hmm. she's doing her research and things go along and they are together (laughs) And they end up having sex and, you know, well, what's going to happen? So it was more that um, things just unfolded that way as I, as I wrote it. And Jane, that puts Jane in a certain position where she has to make um, some very important decisions. And I thought, well, what would go into those decisions? So as they came up for Jane, they sort of came up for me. And I was like, oh, my God, what would I do? What would she do? What would Willie do? Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, I'm asking what the reader would do. You know, if you were in this position, reader, would you want to know? Would you have a kid? Would you fall in love? Would you marry this guy? Would you not? Because we are all going to be facing these decisions. It, it, you know, our whole genomes are going to be known, and you're going to look at your genome and the guy or the person you're marrying. And if you're going to have a kid, what does that mean? Or even if you're not, like, oh my God, I mean, I going to marry somebody who's probably going to die, you know, or get this disease or go blind when they're whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, we're all going to, you know, come down with something. So it's going to be a calculation we're all going to be making. Uh-huh. Let's take a stage for break, Eileen. Back in just a minute, everyone. Life Tips will be right back after this short break. Literature is taking over Miami streets. Between November 13th and the 20th, downtown Miami will transform into a full week celebration of the literary arts. More than 500 plus authors are coming to share their new work at the 2016 Miami Book Fair. The Porch is open every evening, complete with a full schedule of live music and performances, a farmer's market and cafe, food trucks, craft beer, and more. For more information on the 33rd Miami Book Fair, November 13th to the 20th at Miami-Dade College's Wolfson Campus in downtown Miami. Call 305-237-3258 or visit MiamiBookFair.com. Follow Miami Book Fair on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Miami Book Fair. Are you paying too much for your paid advertising or have you quit altogether because it seemed like a huge waste of money? Studies show that companies waste 25% of their PPC spend on average. The web marketing experts at WMETraining.com can show you how to make your AdWords account a lean, mean converting machine. 
Whether you're just starting out or want to take your skills to the next level, we have a class for you. Contact the web marketing experts at wmetraining.com. More refreshing talk radio on air and on demand 24-7. Only on Cranberry Radio. And now back to Life Tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, and wiser. Here are your hosts. Welcome back. I'm here with Eileen. Eileen, tell us a little bit about you, your writing. How how do you write? How long did it take you to put this novel together? Well, you know, I'm sort of slow and steady. I get up every morning, I, you know, get myself into the mood to write. And then, you know, which may take reading the New York Times and playing some computer solitaire. But I, you know, I write every morning. And um, so eventually, you know, I, I don't really get writer's block. I, I sometimes get publishing block in that, you know, I finish a book and maybe I'm a little ahead of my time and it takes a while until um, the editors are sort of saying, oh, yeah, I get this. So with this book, as I said, um, you know, I finished this in I, I got the idea for it in the late 80s. I wrote it through the 90s. It was ready to go out in the early 2000s. And um People just didn't know what to make of it. Even the fact that the heroine is a, a female scientist. Mm. You know, there's, it's, there's very little science in this book. I mean, if you know what DNA is, you can basically, you know, handle it. But um, I, I, some editors told me, well, you know, men don't read books by women. And women don't want to read anything that has science in it. Women's book groups won't read a book <laughs> that has science in it. So Whoa. I couldn't get it published. Whoa, you know, and people weren't thinking about like, oh, I'm going to have to have these genetic tests. Plus, I think it's just a good read. But um, so it took <laughs> it took a while to, you know, and I was working on it. I was trimming out some subplots and things. But um, but basically, it's just the times changed. And now, I mean, I've written other books about women in science, and sort of it's a hot topic now. And so editors are more like, well, a novel with a woman scientist. How cool is that? You know, mm-hmm. so that and that's happened with other. So I have a novel coming out next year, and it's about a woman who grows up wanting to be a, a female comic, and it's a pretty raunchy book. And people are like, "Oh, nobody wants to read anything raunchy from a, a woman writer, a female writer." And now, thanks to movies like Bridesmaid or comics like Sarah Silverman or Amy Schumer, you know, it's it's much cooler. So that book's coming out next year. So, you know, my process is I get up every, well, I never have a lack of what to write about, but sometimes I, you know, I have in my life lost confidence because I write the books and people are just like, huh, <laughs> you know, but this is a good time. I feel like, like um, my audience is catching up with me. Your, your writing is beautiful. And I want to ask you about it. I'm going to read you a caption um, and, and I'm going to ask you about it. The Boston skyline rose up before, first of all, I'm in Boston. Let me footnote that. Which is <laughs> uh, the Boston skyline rose up before us. A light atop the old Hancock Tower blinked red. Steady blue, clear view. Flashing blue, clouds dew. Steady red, rains ahead. Flashing red, snow instead. I liked knowing the code. I liked thinking of all those satellites and radar devices, all those gauges on top of Mount Washington, all of the humankind humankind's accumulated knowledge of the winds and tides reduced to a simple red flashing snow, 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 snow. (laughs) Um, 
first of all, have you been to Boston? I'm curious. <laughs> oh yeah, so I lived. I was living in Boston when when all this was happening. So the lab my husband was working in was at MIT. I got it. This research was going on. Yeah, okay. And um, so I, I spent many many years in Boston. I love it. And um, you know the way it works is so okay. So Jane and Willie are driving back from wherever they were, and it's it's bad weather, and they. So as a writer, you're thinking, well, at a very literal level, what would she be seeing? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I always loved seeing the flashing light on top of it because I yes. knew the code, right? Right. Well, what you do is kind of, well, my method is you kind of bang up the literal concrete details of your character's world with who she is and what she'd be thinking, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So she's seeing that. And I try to be her instead of me. Well, mm-hmm. Who, who is she? She's a person who reads codes. She feels good when she can interpret a blot or right. you know, a DNA. So, so she's seeing the Hancock Tower, right? She's saying, oh, a code. I can read a code. Yay. And so, you know, and then I just go, okay, I'm going to write this paragraph knowing that the, the description is of the Hancock Tower, but it's from the point of view of a geneticist who likes to read codes. What happens? And then I just pray, <laughs> hope for inspiration, and just start writing and hope that the rhythm of the sentences will do something, you know, fun and interesting and maybe beautiful. So that's, you know, that's what was going on when I wrote that paragraph. Wonderful. Now, I have to ask you about that paragraph, because are there, in fact, gauges on the top of Mount Washington that are beamed directly into the, to the, to the, to the tower, you know, projecting oh, no. the data? <laughs> no, 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 I don't think it's, <laughs> I don't think it says that. It's just that there, there are, there are gauges somewhere that are telling yeah. people what to do, right? And, and there are gauges on the top of Mount Washington, so... Um, you know, exactly. she's saying she likes this whole idea that all over the world there are yes. these scientists measuring things. And exactly. of course, it's just silly because you can't measure anything. She's in the car with this guy that yeah. she's in love with. She's pregnant. She's not pregnant. You know, she has no control over anything in her life at that moment. But she's like, oh, thank God, the Hancock Tower, I can gauge whether it's going to snow or not. You know? Right, right. Really wonderful. Well, we have a couple of final questions for you. Who would you like to get a hold of you, and how can they get a hold of you? Um, well, anybody who's interested in having me come give a reading, or if you mm-hmm. want your book club to, to read the book, I'm happy to maybe Skype in. Um, and I have a website, uh, EileenPollock.com, mm-hmm. uh, and you can contact me that way. Um, I'd love to hear from you. Or if you're a woman scientist, um, you might look at my other book, too, The Only Woman in the Room, Why Science is Still a Boys Club, and um, I'd love to hear from you. Well, I have two final words, and that is a fantastic interview. Go scientists, go women. <laughs> thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Eileen, great having you today. Thanks for being with us, and thanks for tuning sure. in, everyone. We'll uh, see you next week. Thanks for tuning in to The Life Tip Show.
The opinions expressed are those of the hosts and their guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of Cranberry News Marketing and Cranberry.fm. Rebroadcasts or retransmission of this content without proper consent is prohibited 